A horrifying cult-like tradition of abuse of students has been uncovered and exposed at Stellenbosch University, specifically at an iconic, famous residence, student residence at Stelly's called Vilchnoff that I think has existed for close to, if not longer, than a century. This student, I nearly said residence because we're talking about you know, what was for a long time an Afrikaans university and still has many Afrikaans people going to it. But no, this is, I'm communicating English, so it's residence. Stellenbosch University is usually in the news for its superb rugby team, that knack that their maroon-clad Marty's team has for creating Springbok players. For their generally superb academic record, Stellies is often third or fourth out of South African universities in the global rankings of best universities in the world after UCT and WITS. It's often third, if not fourth, But Stelly's has had its fair share, consistent fair share, of unacceptable instances of racism, sexism, and violent abuse on campus, or at least amongst its wider student community. And so many South Africans' response to this story that I'm about to tell you was not of surprise that it happened at Stellenbosch, but of massive shock at how hectic and kind of genuinely horrifying this story is. So, welcome to News Worth Knowing. It's our once-a-week episode on the issue with Dan Corder where we catch you up on the three biggest news stories that have faced South Africa, or at least the most consequential ones, in the week that has just passed. This is going to be a bit of a special episode, though, because this story is so massive. And sure, other things happen, like Bofana. Bofana won. They beat Morocco, which was incredible. I could easily do a podcast off the top of my head about that. What we've been speaking about in the last few weeks has come has come to some kind of climax. You know, Nelson Mandela's belongings, including his hearing aids, that auction that, that was being put up for has now been suspended. Jacob Zuma has also been suspended from the ANC. No surprises there. So we could talk about that. But this story is so massive. And honestly, for me, such an important discussion about, I think, a really, really bad wider culture of horrible abuse of young people, particularly in historically powerful, enriched white male institutions, whether they be universities or high schools, that this is emblematic of a wider conversation that we need to have. So welcome to The Issue with Dan Corder, news worth knowing. It is the 1st of February, 2024. Happy month of love. This is not going to be a story of love. Let's get into it. This is The Issue with Vilchenorf Residence. This is The Issue with Dan Corder, because we all know that South Africa is a movie Welcome to the Watch Party. South Africa is wild and overwhelming. And on this show, we explain, analyze, and understand the biggest news stories and issues facing this country every single week. Two episodes of The Issue come out every single week on podcast and also in video form on YouTube. And we also release weekly exclusive episodes of interviews and analysis on Patreon. Go find us there. Lastly, if you're new here and enjoy the episode, it would be so wonderful if you clicked subscribe or follow. It makes a huge difference as we develop the show going forward. Right, let's get into it. Just before we get into Vilchenhof, I want to let you know that for our Patreon subscribers, we have just released a brand new episode that is fascinating. It's with a professor, academic, author called Kamaran Peter, who runs an organization that investigates targeted orchestrated campaigns, networks, of disinformation on South African social media that is trying to hoodwink, dupe, trick South Africans into believing fake news. 
believing some issues are much bigger for more South Africans than they actually are, and actually influence the 2024 election. So if you want to hear all about that, it's a fascinating, fascinating listen, my interview with Kamar, and it's across on Patreon for a small monthly subscription. You get an expert interview every single week, and your subscription helps support the show. So go check it out. Just search uh, The Issue with Dan Corder Patreon. Okay, let's go to Stellenbosch. In the last seven days, Stellenbosch University raided one of their most famous, now infamous, and storied residences, the Wilkenhof Student Residence. They did this on a tip-off, although it wasn't really a tip-off, it was more of a dossier, a 23-page document written by a student, former student now, of Stellenbosch University who'd been placed in Wilkenhof Residence. And in this 23-page document, the student detailed the abuse experienced by first years and other young students in Wilkenhof during 2022 at the hands of the residence's disciplinary committee that calls themselves the Nachlichter. Now, the student is so fearful of backlash, reprisals, vengeful consequences for this student that they've actually fled. They've left the university as a whole, which shows you how serious the situation is. The whistleblower described being forced to strip naked, having their body parts mocked and humiliated, being forced to drink a toxic mixture of linseed oil and aloe crystals that induces violent and often dangerous diarrhea, and having a liquid with a urine-like odor being poured over one's body. The student also mentioned that when these kinds of humiliations and abuses were happening, uh, the Nachlichter, this disciplinary committee, would actually appoint lookouts who were told to watch out, particularly if this was happening in a public place at night, but even in the residence themselves, watch out for university staff and authorities who were coming to essentially warn the Nachlichter if there was any staff member or authority figure coming so that they could scram, scarper, and hide what they were doing. So last week, Monday, having considered this 23-page whistleblowing document, university staff raided Wilkenhof residence, and they actually found two rooms that were locked. And mysteriously, conveniently, nobody had the keys or means of accessing those rooms. So they actually had to bash the doors down to get inside. And what they found was horrifying, like genuine horror film. Not bad horror film, where you can laugh and go to bed and not think about it again. Good horror film, as in shocking and disturbing and nightmares and disturbed dreams after you've watched this film. The first room is known as the Strafkammer. It could be described as the Nachlichter's discipline room, but it was... Yoh. I actually, for once, want you to go... I'm going to tell you after listening to this to go and look at our video episode that we've put up on YouTube so you can see a picture of the Strafkammer. It was dank and dark and dirty and covered in waste. On the walls, graffitied, were the names of people who've been in this disciplinary committee over the years, spanning years back, different names of different people who have meted out this like psychological, emotional, and often physical abuse on students in the Wilkenhof residence. Above the doorframe on the wall was painted the number 88. Now, 88 is a well-known white supremacist number. It's a symbol. It's often seen as an abbreviation of the Nazi salute. So that was painted above the doorframe. And inside these rooms, the staff investigators found black hoods, executioner hoods with masks. Now, I want you to think like KKK, but black. That is what these hoods, these masks look like. And on many of these hoods were the number 88, the number that is a white supremacist Nazi abbreviation symbol on these hoods that the Nachlichter 
have clearly been wearing for years and years and years. Aside from these triangular hoods and masks, they found used condoms and this mixture of linseed oil and cement fermenting that were prob- was probably being fermented for the first years who were like about to arrive because it is it is orientation period at universities across South Africa. There are brand new first years arriving across the country at different institutions, often straight out of matric, out of like matric dance and like life orientation. You know, like I'm just trying to paint a picture for you of, of like nobody's prepared for this kind of psychic or awful torturous abuse, but like these are just like overgrown children for the most part. And let me tell you, Elo doesn't prepare you for anything, not even your first time. So definitely not for this. The investigators also found pictures, crudely drawn pictures of the Nachtlichter in their awful kind of like ceremonial abuse executioner KKK style black garbs with the number 88 on them. Then they found notebooks with lists of students' names, uh, students who were described as needing to be taken out along with the linseed oil cement mixture fermenting that I mentioned earlier that the student in their document described as being a violent cause of diarrhea if you're forced to ingest it. There were also crude drawings of male sexual assault and bizarrely, insanely, like if it wasn't insane enough for you already, among the items confiscated was an indemnity form that seems to, if you signed it, gave a private company that is owned by former Vilkhanov students, former ones from this re- uh, residence, private company, the authority to conduct what is described as boot camp style exercise programs that may lead to injuries and possible death. That's what the indemnity form says it's trying to be a legal document that indemnifies this private company of ex Vilkhanov resident students to conduct such violent, dangerous, awful, traumatizing camps that they really would need to write in serious injury and death is not their fault if it happens. And that shows you the intergenerational, long-lasting, long-running tradition of these awful, awful patterns of ritualistic abuse meted out on students by members of the disciplinary committee, Nachlachter, who were students themselves, sorry, first-year students specifically themselves, who probably went through this stuff and then chose to continue doing so for whatever reasons that they had. Maybe because they wanted to do it, maybe they enjoyed doing it, maybe they felt pressured and forced into doing it. But it's really freakish, and the symbolism is really weird. There's a picture of the Nachlichter, the disciplinary committee from a few years ago, lined up for a photo shoot, and in front of them is a severed pig's head. Like, this is truly nightmare, horror show, gorish stuff. And then, in the days following the media reporting on this raid, we discovered that the university has known about at least allegations of these practices for a long time or at least back until 2020, maybe further back than that, because we have the minutes of an SRC, a Student Representative Council meeting from 6 March 2020 that a news house managed to get their hands on, which shows that there were discussions about and allegations, accusations of committee members from the Nachtlichter in Wilkenhof dressed in executioners' hoods allegedly involved in various abuses. And then the SRC insists, the SRC from that time insists that those minutes and allegations were handed over to university management, and university management insists that they've been doing investigations, but clearly not quickly enough. I mean, it's been three and, well, four years nearly since then, and clearly nothing's been done about it or discovered. There's been no interventions, and first-year students have continued to suffer that abuse right through the last handful of years that has clearly been patterns of abuse that's existed way before 2020. It's just such 
a crazy situation. And then, so weirdly, and this is so weird for me, the university painted over all the graffiti in the Strafkammer in these two rooms that had been locked and could not be accessed. And I, like, I get it. Maybe they thought that they'd gathered all the evidence, they'd photographed all the walls, but that's literally evidence of crimes, like ritualistic, cult-like, psychically traumatizing, damaging abuse that they just painted over. Now, the university says, oh, no, but it's because we want to use their rooms, these restore these rooms, put them back in for their original purpose. But no, absolutely not. The university's like, oh, but they should be res rooms for like new first years or whatever. No, absolutely not. No one should be forced to stay in those rooms, even if they... Oh, I mean, the, the the ghostliness, the spirits, the negative energy, like even if you aren't affected by any of that or don't believe in any of that, just your knowledge of the horrifying things that happened here and the evidence that exists on that under a few licks of white paint is insane. Nobody should be forced to go through that. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if like those rooms should be bulldozed or the Vilchnov should be knocked down and rebuilt or whatever. I mean, they're probably university reasons why they don't want to do that. But those rooms, you can't then force a student to stay in those. You have to disband the residents. You've got to rip apart all of the student or, or like the group of students who've been living in Vilchnov in who have aided, abetted and caused this continuing abuse in the modern moment. You've got to seek out this private company and figure out who needs to be disciplined. And, and you know, they, maybe there need to be charges laid. But not paint over the walls of this room so that some poor student has to go and sit in that room with the consequences. Like they will feel further consequences of being in that room and knowing what happened in there and what that room really is. Absolutely not. Life orientation definitely wouldn't have prepared anybody for that. So this is the horror story that's been making the news across South Africa in the last week. But it's definitely part of a wider conversation that particularly us white men are great, it seems, at avoiding. Specifically white men who went to formerly white-dominated, male-dominated institutions and stayed in res, like Wilkenhof in Stellenbosch, where there have been these weird, sordid, mad traditions that were often basically just like, you know, have histories of like white supremacy and racism in them, and or who went to high schools, legacy, rich, wealthy high schools with boarding houses where uh, there were overwhelmingly young white kids and the kinds of initiation rituals that used to happen and some still do happen in secret. It's wild, actually. It's, it's funny and it's disturbing. I've seen a bunch of posts on social media recently, uh, most significantly maybe from South African creative and performer Anton Taylor, who basically did a little skit where he was pretending that he was hearing the breaking news about this harrowing, awful, abusive uh, probably criminal, psychologically traumatizing ritual happening, but they hadn't said Vilkhanov yet. And he's sitting in the car listening to this fake news report that he's recorded himself. And he's starting to panic and and worry. And then when they say it's Vilkhanov at Senebosh, he goes, and lets out a huge sigh of relief. And the joke obviously is that he's relieved because he went to a high school or university where similar awful things happened or at least there were rumors about it that were happening and in this fictional portrayal that he does he was relieved that it wasn't his school university that had been caught out because what if he'd been implicated but i think that that video has done so well and so much similar chatter has happened across south africa because particularly white men who've been to these wealthy legacy institutions which have borders or residences whether it be high schools or universities know about this now i didn't 
But even I know secondhand from people, whether it be rumors or giggles or averted conversa- avoided conversations, that these kinds of horror shows have been happening for a long time. And lots of universities and schools have, d- have put in significant work to try and stop it or root it out. But it hasn't always been effective. And I'm not saying that there are Vilkhanov's style like this level of evil and torture and awfulness and abuse happening around the country but there there might be others that are this bad or worse there are probably many many that are less bad but still bad and we really need to try and figure out how to have a conversation about why this is happening and particularly when i think about vilkhanov and i think about all of these students who were first years and then became part of the Nachlichter, the disciplinary committee, and did to others what had been done to themselves. Why are they doing that? There's something there about why they are doing that. Because, sure, maybe some of them haven't wanted to do so, but you know that thing that men in particular love to have tradition, and this is how it's done, and we're going to do this, and there's choked up, messy, fragile male ego stuff about being a real man and going through this because we did, and initiation is not that bad, and it makes you a real man, and it grows you up, and then you do it to others, and it's this circle of life, and it's fine, and you should be able to handle it, and if you can't handle it, you're weak, and you're feminine-like, and you're not a real man. So there are all of those dynamics that are always at play that would definitely be happening here with Vilkhanov, but also in other places uh, schools and universities around South Africa. It's definitely also this thing of like legacy and tradition, like just being expected to do so, like this is what you're supposed to do. Like, I mean, the fact that there are ex-Vilkhanov residents who made in their adulthood, well beyond university, made a private company that is involved in this ritualistic abuse through these boot camps speaks to this like real embracing of this. I'm going to, you know, I'm sorry if you haven't known me before, but this f***ed up tradition that people are connected to and doing and perpetuating. And there's something really interesting too about the fact that the whistleblowers remain anonymous and has fled. And it's not just a backlash thing. I think that there are many white South African men who've gone through this, either as victims or victims and then perpetrators, or just people who idly stood by, of not wanting to be the one who takes it on, who takes the brunt of it. Maybe because you're fearful that it's going to come out that you were part of the perpetrating and you don't, you just rather not bother and have anybody else. You just rather not have people know that, that you were involved in that kind of thing. But I think it's also tied up in some kind of sense that you don't want to be the one to break the tradition. You don't want to be that guy because there will be some kind of recriminations even from the people who were in there with you going through it as victims or perpetrators about it. And so I think that there is probably this societal-wide, ah, we're not going to bother, this community-wide, we're not going to bother amongst, but it's unspoken. It's unspoken amongst all of these white dudes, uh, these, these white dudes who went to these legacy institutions in high school or university that allows it to continue. And maybe there's this quiet simmering hope that it's mellowed down over the years as you get older. Maybe there's this sense that I can't be as bad as it once was, or maybe the school or university has stepped in, but there's still next to no action to try and thwart it from continuing. And that really, really troubles me, but it also fascinates me that all these white men who in in South African life are overwhelmingly likely, especially if they went to these institutions to be rich, blessed, well-educated, with great personal fortunes, good jobs, all kinds of social, economic, and political power, 
are so constricted and bound and avoidant of this. It's really something that I'd be interested to hear what you think of and what I'd be interested to hear South Africa-wide conversations about. So yeah, that's the issue with Vilkenov residents and this expose of this cult-like horror tradition of ritualistic abuse of students by students and also weirdly ex-students at Vilkenov and Stellenbosch University. Hope you at least found this enlightening. Uh, it's not exactly an enjoyable subject matter, but it's something that we really need to talk about and I appreciate your time and attention. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a few days. A reminder again about that incredible interview with Kamar and Peter about disinformation that you can find on our Patreon. Just search Patreon, The Issue with Dan Corder. And of course, if you haven't yet given us a follow or a like on this, we'd really appreciate it. And again, if you want to go and see what these horror rooms look like, go check out our episode on this subject. It's on YouTube. Just search The Issue with Dan Corder. It'll be the latest one for a few days. Chat soon. Have a beautiful weekend.